Welcome to the second episode of Dead Cars Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Yoakum. I'm glad you guys could join me today. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about the Plymouth Roadrunner. This 383 cubic inch, 335 horsepower machine was a dream of many in the late 60s. The Plymouth Roadrunner is a mid-sized car with a focus on performance built by Plymouth in the U.S. between 1968 and 1980. The Roadrunner came in a few different body styles, two-door coupe, two-door hardtop, and two-door convertible. Plymouth expected to sell 20,000 units in 1968. Sales actually placed 45,000. Dodge debuted the Roadrunner's cousin, the Super B, as a mid-1968 offering after Roadrunner's success. The 1969 model kept the same basic look, but with some slight changes to the taillights, grill, side marker lights, and optional bucket seats. And on the air cleaner lid was a sticker of Wiley Coyote, and it said Coyote Duster. A 440 engine was an option mid-year. Roadrunner was named Motor Trend Car of the Year in 1969. Production in 69 was 81,125. The engine lineup stayed the same, although a heavy-duty three-speed manual became the standard transmission. This was to be the second-to-last Roadrunner convertible to be made with only 834 made. Sales of the 70s Roadrunner dropped 50%. The decline of the sales of the Roadrunner and other muscle cars was removed by insurance companies to add surcharges to muscle car policies, making insurance premiums for high-performance vehicles a very expensive proposition. Plymouth paid $50,000 to Warner Brothers to use the Roadrunner name and likeness from their Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner cartoon, as well as the Beep Beep Horn, which Plymouth paid $10,000 to develop. In 1968, the base engine was specifically modified 383 V8 with heads, intake, cam, and exhaust manifolds from the 440 Super Commando. These changes made it the fastest 383 ever with 335 horsepower, as mentioned earlier. Rather than the usual 3-speed transmission, the Roadrunner had 4-speed. There was minimal glitz in chrome to cut weight and cost. What am I talking about? Well, it's the Plymouth Superbird, a more sporty, sporty version of the Roadrunner. It was factory's follow-up stock car racing design. The only body style it was available in was two-door coupe with a couple engine options to choose from, such as the 426 Hemi V8, 440 Super Commando V8, and the 440 Super Commando 6-barrel V8. The car's primary rivals were the Ford Torino Talladega and Mercury Cyclone. It had also been speculated that a motivating factor in the production of the car was to lure Richard Petty back to Plymouth. It sported a high-mounting rear ring. Richard Petty is most associated with his Petty Blue Plymouth, which took him to the winner's circle 85 times in the 60s alone. But there is one chapter many more par faithful like to forget about in his driving career that decade one year he raced for Ford. Ironically, he did it because Dodge built a car that was faster than his Plymouth, and Plymouth didn't think he would really race anything else in 69. But in 1969, Dodge introduced the Wing Charger Daytona. Chrysler built the cars in enough time to qualify them for the tail end of the 1969 and 70 season. But the car was announced much earlier than that for Petty to get a look at and realize it was going to be a formidable race car. Petty called up his buddies at Plymouth and asked them if they were going to build a winged version of the Daytona. Of the Daytona. Plymouth said no. The history of the Plymouth Superboard 
impacted NASCAR. Not many cars have a history or story as interesting as the one behind the notorious Plymouth Superbird. The car hit the tracks in the 70s, but how it got there is rather fascinating. Richard's petty skills and reputation made him a hot commodity in the world of NASCAR. When Petty had expressed that he wished to use a wing car for his races, Petty's Plymouth team decided that would be a good idea. As a result, Petty decided to switch teams went and went to Ford. When Plymouth realized their hesitance resulting in losing Petty altogether, they immediately began to design a car to win him back. That car was the 70 Plymouth Superbird and Plymouth's plan worked. Petty went on to win eight NASCAR races while driving the Plymouth Superbird. However, due to a change in rules, 1970 would be the only NASCAR season that Plymouth Superbird would be able to make an appearance. However, the history of the car most definitely lives on. NASCAR drivers and fans were beyond impressed with the Plymouth Superbird was released. The car was capable of accelerating from 0 to 60 in just under 5 seconds. There was no model at the time quite like the Plymouth Superbird. The vehicle's ability to travel at 200 miles per hour was monumental for the day and age. The stick shift and pistol grip gave the car a unique feel. The vehicle's ability to produce 425 horsepower was just one more of the many noteworthy features of the car. Plymouth Superbird create, created a, quite a splash when it hit the NASCAR tracks. Audiences and drivers were immediately intrigued by the vehicle. The 70 Plymouth Superbird has a deep and direct connection to one of NASCAR's most legendary drivers. Petty and the Plymouth have a special bond, and knowing the history, it makes sense why. NASCAR fans love to learn about the vehicle's past and why it was created just for Petty. So it's pretty incredible to think that uh, Plymouth took the idea from uh, the Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon and they made it into a car and then later made it into a supercar for Richard Petty. Um, my favorite, well, I'm going to have a, you know, not sure trying to be biased or anything, but it has to be the Petty Blue car, number 43. That was a cool car i love the color of it it was a really good color um it was really bright and vibrant um yeah i mean to think 335 horsepower was fast back in the day and now we got cars that'll race uh, you know they'll have a thousand plus horsepower under their hood uh so 335 horsepower was pretty fast back in the 60s and for him to win eight races with that car was pretty awesome. Um, I'm glad uh, Plymouth actually changed their mind and decided to build a, uh, a better version of the Daytona. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, I know it wasn't very long, but um, the next one should be a little bit longer. That's all I could dig up on the uh, Plymouth Superbird. Um Catch me next week. We'll be talking uh, about Big Daddy Ed Roth and the uh, history behind him and um, Rat Fink. I'll be talking about him and why I'm so fascinated with Rat Fink and why I think he's so cool. Um, yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, this podcast, I'm basically just making this podcast to talk about cars. Um, 
I'm always been a car guy all my life. Uh, I went to like car shows all the time with my grandpa and my dad. Um, so I've been around cars all my life. We have a 54 pack. I had a 54 Packard Super Clipper. And then my uh, great grandfather had a uh, 55 Packard two door hardtop 400 series. Um, I'll talk more about the Packard in a future episode. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got for today's episode. I hope you guys did enjoy it, and I hope it was very informative for you. Um, I just thought it was very fascinating to talk about the Plymouth Roadrunner and uh, its rivals with uh, the Ford Talladega, or the Torino Talladega, and the uh, Mercury Cyclone. Um, yeah, like I said, be sure to tune in for episode number three. I can't wait to talk about that one. And then episode number four, we will be talking, I should have my buddy on for the fourth episode, talking about the Chevy C10, the history behind the C10, all that being, you know, I'll ask him some questions because he owns a C10 himself. Um, I'll get him to talk about his and, uh, what all he's done to it. Um, in the past and what he plans on doing to it in the future. So be sure to tune in for that one. And uh, yeah, you will only catch me on Spotify.